When I say the name, when I say the name of this episode, Charlie X, what is the first thing that comes into your head from this episode? Well, oh, the first thing that comes from my head is Charlie XCX. But the first thing I think of with this episode is the kid from the Twilight Zone episode where he banishes people to the (laughs) cornfield got, got, got on a starship. And that's where we are at. <laughs> that's where we are at. And boy, boy, is that an apt description of this episode. Uh, Missy, first thoughts. What was your sort of off the top reaction of this episode? It's this second episode of the first season of the American science fiction television series, Star Trek. This one written by DC Fontana. Uh, from a story, hmm, probably like a title, um, from Gene Roddenberry, uh, directed by Lawrence Dobkin. I thought this episode was an interesting comparison to the first one. Uh, after having gotten into the universe of Star Trek again and seeing these characters that I knew from the films, you know, on the small screen and just the, the aesthetic, the budget and everything... I found this one really interesting. Uh, the acting was superb by Robert yes. Evans Jr., who plays um, Charlie Absolutely. X. He Charlie X is a maladjusted 17-year-old <laughs> psychic who can just make stuff disappear with his mind or control people um, and is just a rascal. I thought... Just the way that he behaves... And we'll get it through in the plot, but the way he behaves where he is just like... He acts at some moments like he has no idea what any social mores are and acts very inappropriately. And I thought to myself, oh, this is very much like what a homeschooler would act like and I would know. And it was just that I couldn't predict at all what his interactions were going to be like. Like I wrote in my notes like, oh, he's like, seems like he's looking at all these crew members' asses, like the men crew to begin with. And then the very (laughs) next moment, he's looking at Darlene's but and I'm like, wait, this is like, oh, he was actually looking for it and smacks it. And I'm like, Jeezy Pete's like, I just thought that as a joke. But literally, they're telegraphing that like this kid is obsessed with butts because he's never been around yeah. like other people and stuff like that enough to like be able to do. It. It's it's fascinating. I was really interested in how that was portrayed. Um, but it did. It felt like again a bit of a a Twilight Zoney script that got. And I'm not trying to, you know, just in general, like a twist like that no, that got transported onto here because this is the second one. In a, it's a direct yeah. influence. This is a second one. A lot of the writers' room. Um, I know DC Fontana, Dorothy Fontana, was inspired 
um, by Twilight Zone, etc. But um, a lot of the writers and a lot of the people working on this show worked on Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Mm -hmm. They were there's a direct link. Like they are they are the fraternal twins of that TV era in a way that people don't really anticipate when they see just the movies or sort of the pop cultural conceptualization of Star Trek. Yeah, it's it's also interesting that this is the second episode in a row where it involves um, a creature, in this case, a, a human, I still believe, uh, who, but in the first one, a shapeshifter. That we'll see is his, able his to... fingers and toes. Well, yes. Developed <laughs> like human fingers and toes. So that's how we know. But, um, but, but is manipulating people mentally. Like, yes. uh, it's all about having your senses influenced and uh, affected. So that is just very interesting to me that it's, it, the first two episodes haven't dealt with, like, say, um, uh, a danger of, oh, we're exploring somewhere and we're trapped in a traditional, like, escape adventure. It's been very, like, m interesting challenges in terms of the morals and mores of what mm -hmm. do you deal with these situations like that, yeah. Like, what do you do with a shapeshifter that seems yeah. almost human? Uh, what do you do with a psychic well, like kid that is having temper yeah. tantrums? Let's see what they do. Let's see what they do, Missy. Indeed. Scene one, star date, 1533.6. On the version that you watched, did they show you an exterior shot of a ship at this moment? Yes, they did. This was added for the remastered edition. This originally was a bottle episode, which is why it was the second episode. Oh, interesting. It was like the ninth produced, but at that time, because it was a bottle episode, it was the only one that they would be able to have finished by that time. There were also very few big effects. It's mostly like staring contests mm -hmm. um, of with great import. Um yeah, so yeah. this so this added exterior shots, all that they add to uh this episode are a few shots of just like planet ship in sky. Yeah, and the effects are just uh you know, the removing of objects on screen, which is basically mm -hmm. just done with like a fade between a still image yeah. of of the the thing with the person or the object there and then not there. Yep. Uh magnificent, magnificent. So Scene one, we're in the transporter room. I have called it picking up the boy. They're here to pick up our boy, yes. our Charlie X. Uh, Kirk meets the Antares who are delivering this boy. This boy who has been alone for the past 14 years after his ship of colonists crashed on a planet. He was three years old and now he is 17. They found him. And now they're bringing him to the uh, the Enterprise to bring him then to his closest living relatives on Colony 5. Yes. The fifth one. Alpha 5. And it's interesting that they basically sort of piece together that he learned to talk via the ship's computer systems, which yes. remained intact. Yes. The computer was intact, and that's how he learned how to talk. Um Essentially, what happens is, like, the people delivering him are very quiet until Kirk turns away from Charlie 
And Charlie does a signature move. We get like an eyes of God shot on him where his eyes are like lit. And that's the only part of his face that's lit. So much eye Um, acting. He pulls his eyes in the back of his head. And then suddenly these these shipmen are like, oh, my God, we love Charlie. Charlie's the best. Isn't it so amazing how he survived for 14 years by himself? We wish we could keep him with us. Like, oh, like... Charlie, like, we're gonna miss you, man. We are best friends with Charlie now. Charlie's the best. Charlie's just the best. Charlie keeps interrupting everyone. Um, and we get we get Kirk being a dad. Tell him, you know, you keep interrupting people, and that's wrong. What did you think of Kirk's first foray into fatherhood? It was interesting. Um, because I'm assuming Kirk isn't that much relatively older than... Because if he's 17, Kirk is in his 30s, I assume. So would have been old mm-hmm. enough to maybe been his dad, you know, if he had him young. So Kirk himself, I thought, was very good at handling the fatherly advice. But I'm also sort of like, you're not that old, Kirk. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, your fatherly wisdom only goes so far. But I, I thought it was interesting. His reactions were the most interesting in it because, as we later see... Spock has a much more detached and everyone else is having much more emotional reactions, being very just outright offended by the kid, as they should be. Mm. Um, But Kirk is the one that steps in the most to sort of, like, guide him and uh, actually sort of explain, like, why the things are bad that he's doing. Yeah, definitely sort of almost... Like, Kirk definitely tries to put him off Mm -hmm. on other people any chance he gets. Mm -hmm. Um... But here's where the second sort of star of this episode walks in. Yeoman Janice! Yeah. We got her! We got Yeoman her Janice again. Rand, Grace Lee Whitney walks in. Now, what's wonderful is that she believes, and she said this on a one of those behind the scenes things about Star Trek, um, that DC Fontana wrote this script for her. Oh, there's a lot of Janice in this. And there is a lot of really complex situations that when we see, like, the rest of the series, like some of these other episodes, there is a lot of thought and complexity put into the positions that women are being put in. Oh, yeah. And how they're reacting to it with a degree of, like, oh, no, that's just reality. that Like, none of these dudes could write. Yeah, it is Um, so interesting how this the second step second episode in a row that deals with sexual politics from the Mm -hmm. female perspective and shows the men being just, you know, chauvinistic or misogynist and it is just casually having to be accepted, you know, or the characters are having to be written that they like it. And this is the one where it's like, hey, what if they didn't? (laughs) What what, what if if they had agency? Hmm. What if we spared some of those close-ups for Janice to show how she fucking feels about what people are saying about her? But essentially, she appears, Charlie is transfixed. He's like, is, are, are you a girl? Like, is that a girl? Um, which is just hilarious. He's like that monk who lived on an island. He grew up on an island of monks and he never saw a woman his whole life. 
He had no idea he what the was woman looked thirsty. like. He was thirsty. He was looking around. And uh, yeah. we, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but uh, his the thing he, he loves is her scent. And he's all about yeah. her scent and the perfume and that she smells like a girl, which is like, whoa, yikes, buddy. You can't just say people smell nice, like, but smell like, you know, mmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's being like, wow, you smell nice. I have smelled nothing for I was alone for my 14 years of life. Um, and then there's like, I, you smell like a girl and it makes me hungry all over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm thirsty like, for you. Oh, okay. Um, Janice, this is the first awesome face that we get from Janice. She does this great, like, pulling back on her lips sort of smile. And she's, like, looking at Kirk like, hey, captain of this ship and my superior, you want to handle the thing that's happening right now? And just this, like, yep, this is what I am dealing with. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was so real. It was so real to that moment of like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Smile on. And such like, yeah, so much telegraphed with without actually saying it, but also just knowing how you can tell how much she's had to put up with this in the past that she can just give this like face and they know instantly what she uh, is trying to communicate with them for it. Yep. Yep. Just like this poor woman. So scene two, Med Bay, mystery baby. What's going on with this boy? Uh, that's where we learn the two facts. Hey, kid, what did, what did you eat after the stores, you know, ran out? Um, the three-year-old just ate plants that it found mm-hmm. around on the planet. Um, and it learned to talk from tapes. These are all very realistic situations that make a lot of sense. This does not at all sound like he is pulling shit out of his yeah. ass, does it no. not, Missy? No. Do you, you believe can... this boy? Again, it's it's the same, you know, liar, uh, like, complete face that you get from the first episode with um, the the trans shape-shifting woman. Just amazing acting of just, yeah, sure, sure this is what happened. Uh, which, of course, made me wonder, okay, well, where, what is Clint Twist going to be and what is his actual yeah. way of surviving? I want what to know. What is his origin? Tell us his origin. Um, and that's where we learn something else about him. He just wants to be liked. He, oh, no, no. He doesn't just want to oh. be liked. This, he just needs he to be liked. He has the worst, the worst case of, like, abandonment issues that i've ever seen like textbook he needs every single person to like him and if anyone makes him upset oh you don't want to be on the opposite end of that as we'll find out later and that's what he cryptically says to mccoy he's just like do you like me i try to make people like me i'm trying to do the right thing but like people will like me right and McCoy's like, yes. And it's like, country doctor, come on. You don't have any better wisdom for this boy. It's like, you don't come have on. any other options. You don't really have much. Yeah, it, he, it's also clear that Bones, like, it was just so funny because Bones was pushing her. He's like, he just needs a father figure. That's all he needs. He needs a father. Like, hey, just Kirk, so, Kirk, he such, needs a 
father. Not a mother figure at all. Not like, so, it just was like so funny where it just seems like, no, this boy just needs like a good kick in the pants kind of situation and he'll be fine. <laughs> he just needs a strong example. This man who, and, and like within the reality of the episode and within his story, he was literally alone mm-hmm. for 14 years. Like this child is in a 17 year old body, but he is emotionally feral. And as much as like I very much related to the like, I keep trying to do the things, and th- but they're wrong. And then I get in trouble and people don't like me, but I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm so confused. Yeah. Like such a real feeling like. It's also like that this child, like, and everyone sort of does get it. And I think that's where they're being really, really patient and kind with him. He has never been around other humans. He has no understanding of how another human feels or that it feels different from him or that other people are necessarily themselves. I would assume that those would be hard things to learn. Yeah, there is just no self-awareness whatsoever and that's what is hard because yeah you have to do feel feel it about like a child would be like why don't i like me oh you're punishing me that must mean that you don't like me because you're punishing me but Mm -hmm. you know of course it doesn't necessarily mean that because sometimes it is about just keeping them protected other times it is yeah like parents go overboard Uh, but in this case we know that it isn't and what do you do with that, you know? And also, like, so our next scene, of course, is Chalway being a hallway menace, one, because he's a hallway menace this whole fucking episode. But, like, Kirk, you and McCoy, like, these men who are at the top of this organization are like, yeah, I'm just going to let this child who just is situationally unstable. Even if you've never met this sh- this person, this person has been alone since they were three years old. Yeah. They are unstable. You're just letting them wander around the ship. You're just letting your shipmen be responsible. Like, the people under you are now responsible for this child? I got... What the Yeah, fuck? I got a little confused by that. I was curious, like... I mean, I guess he is the captain of a starship, and, you know, it's it's just one person. I guess that must be what he's he's dealing with. And we as the audience get that vibe from him, because the music and the the editing is, is giving us a perception of him. But gosh, it just really seems like this kid is, like, the number one priority of a, of a thread, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't answer why Kirk isn't more concerned about this. I really feel like he should be. Something interesting that I that I would have to Google, but at this point, not within the writing of the show, but within the later reality established, the later canon established, mm-hmm. Kirk at this point has a child. See, I... He has a son who he's not involved with. Yeah. And it's it comes up as a, a point in Wrath of Khan that maybe McCoy like this was obviously not written this way because all those other things hadn't been been established. But do you think McCoy's like, hey, so have you called your kid recently? Uh, hey, father figure. You know, hey, father figure. I, I'm sure that there is a bit of McCoy leaning onto him as, as a way of pushing Kirk 
from being pushing Kirk to learn lessons from it to be a better captain. You know, because Kirk isn't a father. There are our experiences working with, for lack of a better term, subordinates that, you yeah. know, you don't have experience from it. But, of course, he's pushing from a very patriarchal angle, which is the only part of it that I'm just so like, oh, bones, you old man. Um, oh, we, bones. we still haven't solved the patriarchy in, in the space utopia. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I... I I guess, yeah, it both made sense and it didn't. And again, I have a hard time because I just didn't trust this kid from the onset. But I just know he's our creature of the week, more or less, and I shouldn't be. Yep. And we see that uh, at, while he's going around being a hallway menace, it really did feel like he was the player character with a bunch of NPCs. Mm. Like, he is mm -hmm. me walking around any video game village, just creeping up on people, just like, what you doing? Yeah. Ooh, every, where are you going? Every one of his interactions, Ooh. he just was like almost quite literally shoving his nose in other people's businesses <laughs> yeah. and just trying to be like, what's going on here? I should be a part of this conversation, right? Because I exist. Like, no understanding. And you know that there was no announcement made over the comms. Like, hey, oh, yeah. you might see a, a random teenager wandering around you don't recognize but apparently there are teenagers on this ship who are enlisted because we learn later there's a 17 year old yeoman yeah um yeoman tina but regardless it's like hey we have a guest on the ship like at least that so that so how... they can be like oh hey like Especially given the fact that that was, like, what they all had just done. Like, their mission yeah. was to, like, go on and find this crash ship and get them brought up. So it, it feels like everyone should be briefed. But you know what? Maybe they literally have so much. We now have figured out in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. They have so much going on. They can't get all the memos. Who knows? And there's 426 people on this ship, as, as Kirk explained proudly to Charlie, who was so excited that there were other humans like him. He was like, oh, yeah, other show. humans, other or humans on the, that on, uh, the, on the ship. We're all going to be friends, right? We're all going to be friends together, friends. totally. Well, he sees some friendship happening. We see the the how the patriarchy is passed along. Some men slap each other on the butt. Yeah. In a friendly way. <laughs> and when he sees Yeoman Janice. <laughs> oh, monkey see, monkey do. First, he gives her some perfume, which is interesting because he basically like reads her mind that she likes this type of perfume. Mm -hmm. And then he manifests the perfume. Yep. We have no idea what's happening, but we know. We know that he read her mind and then manifested it. And she's just like huh, like, that's weird, but you were a child who was alone for 14 years, so why don't you meet me later in, in at rec, in the rec room? Like, you know, yeah. you were a, yeah, just a really kind thing of her to do. They walk away, he slaps her on the ass. It just, like, hard, and my God. <laughs> He's she's immediately she stands up for herself. Awesome. Go yes, Janice. Go Janice. Just like, hey, you can't do that. But she sees how much he wants her to like him, I think. And that's why she's like, look, it's OK, because I know you didn't know. Just go to Kirk or McCoy and they'll explain why that was wrong. But, but you <laughs> they, cannot do they that. They know how to sexual harass like the best of them. They'll be able to tell you what's yeah. wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll be able to tell you tell you what's subtle. 
Um, we're on the bridge. What the fuck is up with our boy? McCoy posits he just needs a good father figure. Yep. He just needs a man to follow. Um, but Kirk is constantly trying to push this off on McCoy. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, McCoy, father figure, you know? You're older than yeah. me, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so isn't that interesting? Yeah, again, it just is sort of like, he's good at giving the advice, so I don't know why he doesn't want to give it. Like, again, I think it's just sort of the adversion to, like, do you think he got on the star cruiser because he wanted to avoid being a father? Like, is all of this just trying to run away from, like, his past, but having, like, layers of father figure hierarchies with the male leadership and all that and so we can have that along the way i don't know we're over analyzing this too early for episode two but that's where my brain is going to be going at here now it's interesting it's interesting but now we're where we need to be and that's it's time for songs and card tricks we're in rec room six where we get to hear uhura and mr spock do the most amazing duet missy tell me Tell me. First off, we get some great singing. I loved it. I love the close-ups that she and Janice give each other, where Janice is clearly like, go on, like, go flirt with Mm -hmm. him. Uh, And was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, friendship. They had their girl code all silently winked out. I love how Spock was first annoyed that she was singing along. And her was like, oh, Oh, silly me. I was I was singing along, wasn't I? And then a few minutes later, la, 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 like just full out singing the whole song. And Spock just has to deal with it. But he rolls with it. Like, to his credit, he just keeps playing. Oh, yeah. And she is a, an amazing voice. And I yes. I feel like she, that, uh, uh, like she would have enjoyed doing that as an actress to be able to get a chance to sing and everything and i hope it was something they didn't like force her to do but i know she did like no. actual theater and broadway stuff so mm-hmm. this was in her element yeah yeah originally it was scripted that she would do a mimic sort of thing um where she would mimic various members of the crew oh yeah but they changed it to be singing because she wanted to show off her fucking voice go girl because that that's the point you're on fucking tv it's to show off your goddamn skills and i was trying to figure out at first if it was a situation where she was making up the song as she went but then i learned that it's it's like a traditional sort of mm-hmm. tune that has evolved this like a a space wailing tune yes it is a take on a scottish song the type where you know you add verses and sort of pass it around the room yeah, yeah. um but here's some choice lyrics from when she's talking about Spock. His alien love could victimize and rip your heart from you. Yep. Girls in space, be wary. Be wary. Be wary. You know not what he'll do. This is about Spock. And she's talking about how he's a devil and stuff. And there is a really strong implication that he is like, a total like rapist pirate like chauvinist like like that th- and that this is sexy somehow also and it's spock and, I, it's spock? and spock's playing like a, a space liar so it makes me laugh because it's like and and he's spock like i just kept going back to that and laughing but that was the only part that i thought was was 
uh, slightly mockable, was just to the target of it. But you know what? Hey, the ladies love... Try, she, we showed in episode one that she really is trying to turn Spock's affection. She does a legit yep. thing for him. And Janice, wing woman of the year, calls one more time. Yes. Encore. Just like, yeah, get it, my girl. Like, you are, this is great. But at that moment, Charlie walks in. Ruins the vibe. Ruins the vibe. Ruins the vibe. Uhura changes her song to be about him in a really kind way. But what teenager wants to be sung about? Fully understandable to be, to be embarrassed, to be like... <gasps> to be fair, though, it's like all he wants is attention. And then the moment he gets it, he's like, no, not that kind of attention. Like, come mm-hmm. on, get yourself together. What do you want? He's embarrassed. And especially when she... So Uhura in her song, she implies like, oh, he's waiting for his first embrace from you, like winks at Janice. Janice has a great like, no, bitch, like, no, 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 this is, please don't joke about that with this one, we can't do this one. He smacked my butt, we can't talk about it in front of him, but it was really uncomfortable. Just like, no, 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 like, he is 17, going on five. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. He's 17 and regressing actively. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't have to worry about the song because suddenly she can no longer sing and there's no more music coming from the lyre. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but no one else seems to notice? Sure. Whatever, because right now we have card tricks. Yes. That's right. Charlie's doing card tricks for everyone. People are cheering for him. This is the attention he wants. He was so, he was mad that the music was upstaging him. So he just silenced it off and said, all right, here we go. Dealing me in. It's like, no one's like joking about me. I don't know if I'm being teased or not. Uh, nah, and he does a fun thing where he turns the cards into headshots of Janice. Yes, oh my god. Again, just obsessed. Obsessed and it's like he's not playing it he's not playing it at least to me like a cute crush where there's like innocence behind it. Like he's playing like a predatory person. It's really wild. Yeah. Yeah, he and that's sort of how he feels with all of his trying to get affection or acceptance. Yeah. Like it's wild it's intense it's this person hasn't been around any other humans for 14 years and those were the 14 years that are the development ones yeah and it feels like it too it feels like this kid has not been around for 14 years yup um what is wonderful about that about his relationship with the ship we mentioned on the last episode that uh in between takes the crew or the cast would get together and they would um, rehearse mm-hmm. like the, the later episodes around a round table. Charlie did not. Oh. He stayed away purposefully from the rest of the crew and uh, stayed in his trailer 
in between scenes so that he could maintain that feeling. Uh, and my God, like his performance is so good. Yeah, I I wonder if that's then made the acting more interesting for the actors because they couldn't anticipate what he was going to do. They just had to sort mm-hmm. of react to it in the moment and go from there. It's an interesting. I, I find those level of method things less like intrusive than when people go like off the deep end trying to like recreate a character. But those, I think those small things are interesting, especially when you're on a set mm-hmm. for a limited amount of time. Yeah. Our next scene. Is there a right way to hit a woman? Is there a right way to hit a woman? That is our question of the oh, day. Oh, no. A ship exploded. That's that's the full title of the whole scene. Yeah, true. Because we go from, is there a right way to hit a woman? No, because when you do, ships explode. Yep. That is the true uh, cost of, our, of the patriarchy and of violence against women. Ships explode. Ship go boom. So Charlie finds Kirk, and he's like, hey, so why can't I smack ass? <laughs> it's so, oh, my God. It just is like, what did I do, what did I, what did I do wrong? How come, how come people don't react to that way? I'm only paying them a compliment. Such a chud. Such an incel. Like, I saw, I saw some people do it, so the, but then when I did it, it's not correct. Explain the difference to me, please. Fair enough, to be perfectly honest. But then again, it's like, how did he learn to talk? Because there are other pieces of literature where in a being is separated from all of humans, maybe only as books, maybe only as videotapes. And they through they have to watch human interaction in order to get something. So it's interesting that the sh- that. In his story, he never learned those things. Yeah, and it's because, you know, obviously he hasn't had any interaction with anyone else, but it sort of just was like this weird thing where he understood what uh, nominatively, like, people who who are looking at it through a binary gender lens uh, understood yes, between, like, that this was a female and yet, did, like... Didn't interpret the fact that because it was men that had hit each other on the butt, that what makes it acceptable... And the fact that that's a female, it isn't. And, like, they didn't get too much into the moral of that. But that is interesting that that's basically what it comes down to, is not understanding gender norms. And what I love, I mean, look, I love this gender-blind sort of thing. I agree. You can either hit everyone or hit no one. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) Kirk stumbled his way through. Uh, Well, um, uh, see, there's no right way to hit a woman. There is no right way to hit a woman. That's that's just our answer today. There's some great just like, well, you see, um, well, you see with like a, with like between men, it's one thing, but with women, it's different. Do you understand? And I'm like, Kirk, was that even a sentence? What do you mean, do you understand? Did, um, does, isn't there like a trope where Kirk also like slaps women a bunch in this show? Like even if it's just because like, they're hysterical, he's trying to get them under yeah. control. But yeah. Oh, yeah, so there is like apparently right <laughs> ways to hit a woman. Oh yeah, when they're hysterical in yeah. your arms. Uh, it's a sexy slap. Um, which I feel like he was trying to explain, but he's like, I'm in the middle of the hallway right now. Am I going to explain to this in- emotionally immature child? I think it's also he was like, <laughs> I, you know what? I worry if I give him an inch. <laughs> Wise. 
wise. Uh, <laughs> but what we learn, second important in this in this scene, is that either in space they celebrate American Thanksgiving yes. with turkeys, or another Thanksgiving holiday that is celebrated with turkeys. Kirk really wants all the synthetic meat to look like turkeys on Thanksgiving. I what a guy. gotta assume it's, uh, it is American Thanksgiving right? and they are uh, subjecting all the world internationally to their one holiday. Yup! And it's like the worst one too! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, no, we're utopian colonizers. Yes, exactly. Let's all celebrate American Thanksgiving. <laughs> We want to, we, we definitely want to, oh We're going to break bread with um, the other aliens before we exploit their systems. Um, but in, in, in any case, we are called to the bridge because, uh, the, the ship that has just dropped off Charlie, they're trying to send a message yes. in, but as soon as Charlie gets to the bridge, all the communication cuts off. Damn, bitch is gone. It, it, the, uh, it, the console explodes with Yuhura at it. Um, yeah. The, oh, well, well before that, no, yeah, because you're right. He just yeah. disappears the, the person first because before the message uh, comes through. They're like, Spock, like, can you see the ship? And he's like, all I see are debris. And they're like, well, through the debris, can you see the ship? And he's like, no, the ship is the debris. Cold. Interesting. And see, nice. I yeah. think I don't think I realized that Charlie caused that. I thought that it had happened mm -hmm. before or from a different reason. But now that I think about it, yeah, of course he did. Of course. Charlie is a psycho. Yeah. He, uh, the only hint that we get in this scene is right before Spock, like, declares the debris, Charlie's like, yeah, that ship isn't made really well. Oh, that's, yeah. Just apropos of nothing. Um, and that's when we get our one and only cameo from Roddenberry himself. On voice. The great turd of the galaxy on voice. <laughs> sharing that the turkeys in the mess hall have transformed into real actual turkeys, not synthetic meat. Which is what a now. funny little ha-ha gag moment to put in there. Just some light comedy of the turkeys are real. But in any case, uh, Charlie Charlie has a new lady to meet. We're back in the hallway. Yes, another yeoman. After he fails at some 3D chess. We never get to learn the rules of 3D chess because he's being a little petulant asshole and won't let Spock explain. You know, Charlie gets pissed that he loses at chess. Rolls his eyes in the back of his head. Spock, Daddy Central, my God. He's so calm and, like, even and just so willing to explain anything. Oh, yeah. But Charlie just can't deal. Um, but in any case, he runs. He's out in the hall. And Yeoman Janice is there. And he, Charlie, I'm so glad to run into you. Behold, someone your own age. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pawn off your affection. Like, it's, it's a bit of a, like... I mean, I get it, Janice, like, but, like, man, taking up a, like, throwing up a sacrificial person just to, like, right? redirect the attention is a bit of a, a dick move. 
A little bit. I think that, like, at this point, she is hoping beyond hope that it's like, no, this kid is normal. He just doesn't get that um, a 17-year-old shouldn't date a 36-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Shouldn't date someone with a beehive hairdo. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I am I am so far too old. Um, I, I think that's what she's hoping. But he just is a dick to Tina. He's like, I don't care about you. Oh, yeah. I want to talk to Rand. Yep. And she's like, Charlie, you're being a dick. Stop being a dick. But this is where we get to hear him um, sharing that she makes him feel hungry all over. Oh, my God. Yes, the I hunger you all over, which is a joke (laughs) that I use with my husband because... (laughs) Whenever he needs food, he's like, oh, I love you. Should we get food or whatever? And I'm like, at a certain point, I don't know, Alex, if you actually love me or you just get hungry. And you're you're mixed the emotion of being hungry with love. And so we literally say to each other, I hungry you instead of I love you sometimes. But this kid, like, just means it in a way that you think, oh, he might go, like, uh, full cannibalistic. Like, I actually want Mm -hmm. somehow to infuse myself with your flesh into my body. And I just can't handle it. Yep, just like it's oh no. This this child cannot differentiate some emotions that are for sure needing to be differentiated. He absolutely puts the <laughs> lotion on the skin. Uh so Janice is concerned. Next scene, Janice goes to HR. Yes, which space what is HR? Space HR. Space HR. Speech HR. <laughs> which is just uh, Kirk on the bridge. Yep. Um, she's just like, dude, you have to deal with this child. I have mm-hmm. sympathy for a kid who has been alone for 14 years to not be like, to, to recognize that his first crush telling him to lay the fuck off would be really hurtful. Hey, captain of the goddamn ship, want to do some of your responsibility? Do you want to do some of that captain? Towards the child? Want to do some of that leading? Like, just any of it? Any of it? So what is, uh... What's Kirk's response to this? Oh, but what else could it be? We gotta take Charlie to the gym! Yep, we gotta take him to the gym. Teach him how to be a man! We gotta teach him karate. It's leg day, bitches. Now, it's leg day. Was the scene on the bridge before that the one where he was, where Kirk was wearing his like green shirt that he was wearing for a random reason? Yes. I loved that. I thought it looked so good, but I was so baffled as to where it came from. I'm like, I don't, re- I don't remember them all wearing different like outfits randomly in this show. Yeah, it's a random sort of extra, extra jacket that they developed for. Some reason we see him wear it again a couple times um, throughout the series, um, more later on. But it it seems to just be like an extra captain's coat if he feels like it. But yeah, it's a great shirt. I'm I'm a big fan of that shirt. Um, but we don't need that shirt at the gym. No, we don't. Where it's leg day. It is leg all day we all need day. Are our bright red spandex skin tight? <laughs> Well, we could see his his underwear. You could. It was like there was a moment where Kirk like bent down and like on his like pants, they sort of went down a little bit. And you just saw a thin band going around yep. his waist still. And it was like, 
Oh, he's wearing a thong or a jock or something, and that's it under there. Like, okay, yep. Kirk, like, you need to pull yep. your pants up, dear. Straight up. They didn't have a fucking second. G- Gene Ronberry was taking too long making all the crew women walk into his fucking office to check their costumes, <laughs> to check if the spandex fit on Kirk. He was too busy checking out the women to notice uh, if it was happening with uh, Kirk. Well, no, I would, none of us were looking at Kirk's butt, so why would we ever notice that mistake? We were too busy looking at the women. Just straight up wildness. Um, and... Charlie's not very interested. No. In this lesson. Not at all. No, he wants to learn how to fight. He does not understand why one needs to learn how to roll to, like, take Mm -hmm. a hit. Kirk is, like, baffled by this. Uh, And it's like, oh, do you mean the child who's been by himself for 14 years doesn't understand how to learn (laughs) new skills? Yeah, it's... At a certain point, you think he'd stop being surprised at what this kid doesn't know how to do. Yeah, like what this kid just like doesn't understand about like, oh, my God. But in any case, Kirk tries to demonstrate with a fellow crewman uh, Mm -hmm. who, you know, is just hanging out on a cool exercise machine. What did you think of this future gym? I... Well, so the problem is, before I had a chance to say anything, um, my roommate Waldo, who I watched this with, uh, a fellow homosexual and former drag queen, said, oh, look, he's getting his bottom training in. (laughs) And I was like, well, there it is. I mean, it looked like, realistically to me, like uh, one of those 50s novelty weight weight loss fad things that didn't actually work, where it's like, yeah, just lean on your back and pump in the air. But actually, that would, like... (laughs) legit work your legs out but it'd be like you know some sort of thing where it's like it helps your spinal cord and your flow of your chi and all those (laughs) kinds of things um but yeah i thought it was amazing but i also was like what are they testing for like what is this test supposed to be proving like what are these machines yeah like it's sort of like just like moving a knob up and down like two inches Um, Mm -hmm. magnificent i loved it but here's here's where, you know, Kirk finally fights Charlie, you know. Yes. Charlie's in it. He's like, all right, okay, so the kid can't deal with learning how to fall correctly first. We'll just fight. Throws him down, and the crewman sort of laughs in a good-natured yep. way. And that's when we see the eyes of God on Charlie. Yes. Doo-doo-doo. We get like the the wonderful like the whole face is dark, but only a bar of light across his eyes. Yes. Uh, and and he's like, "Don't laugh at me." This is when it happened. Yes, where I mentioned earlier. Him. Yeah, sends him straight to the cornfield. Bye bye. Bye bye. The guy just disappears, fucking disappears. Um, and Kirk. Is immediately like, uh, can some security come? Could I just call to security? He just goes through like a lifetime of like someone who's been on acid. I just had like a really (laughs) real dangerous moment. I had to go, okay, that is the real part. That really happened. Wow, that really happened. Okay, that's the reality. Wow, reality is seeping into my trip here. This is hard. And he just can't handle it. And yeah, you're right, gets security, and that just causes Charlie 
to like go even more unhinged, but they have a stare off. Losing it. Stare off. He won't accept it. He's basically daring, daring Charlie to disappear into the cornfield. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kirk's just like, Charlie, like, these men aren't going to hurt you. I know you just also disappeared all the phasers on the ship. Mm -hmm. Finally, common sense gun control. Yeah, it only took a... only took a psychic kid. Only took a psychic crazy child. Um, and he's just like, Charlie, go to your room. Go to your quarters and stay there. Charlie's like, I don't want it. And he's like, go or I'll carry you. <laughs> but he goes. He's like, I won't let I won't let anyone hurt me. I won't let. He's like, they're not going to fucking hurt you. Just go to your room. <sighs> We got to we got to talk about our boy. Next scene, there's definitely something wrong with our boy. Oh yes, this is a we need to talk about Kevin yep. situation. Yep. We have our trio, uh Spock McCoy and Kirk, they're in a briefing room. They're mm-hmm. all like, "So, um what the fuck do we do with this kid?" First off, we've established he's human because his fingers and toes have the the same growth <laughs> yes. rate. It it is like, well, by his fingies, we can tell. Them human fingies. <laughs> them, There's them no way something fingies. can mimic that. We didn't just deal with a, with a shapeshifter the last episode that it could be. <laughs> like, who specifically fooled you, McCoy? Uh, but they're like, yes, he's definitely a human. He's just a wild card. He doesn't understand life. And Spock's like, yeah, and he has a giant fucking weapon inside of him. We've we established among the three, Kirk is the only one who Charlie respects. So we really got to keep this conflict between the two of you where we don't have to have too many extra people on set. Um, and we definitely don't need just it need the conflict needs to be just just talking and it needs to be between only you and him and Kirk. Only we the need- two. We need to go to as few different locations within this ship as possible. We blew all of our trucking, blew all of our walking through hallway scenes uh, in the last episode. They bring in Charlie, and uh, Kirk does his his firm dad move. Charlie, did you blow up the Antares? Charlie, Charlie, don't did you bit, bite his finger? And Charlie. by that I mean blow up the ship. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie, ouch, Charlie, ouch, you blew up the ship, Charlie. Charlie, did you ouch. murder, like, between 20 and 100 people? Did you murder them? Did you? Did you? Yes. Yes, he murdered them. Yes, uh, he did. But he, he shares all he did was uh, let a particular thing on the ship, like, fall off so that it would explode. Which is interesting, that he's not at the point where he's, like, wanting to murder people but he like doesn't care if he murders people he doesn't understand that he just by doing that like he murdered people he doesn't have any value for human life yeah he doesn't get it i feel like um i feel like he values human life he just doesn't understand what about human life is the valuable part like yeah, the well, living he, part he want it's i think it's that he he values it for what it can do to him yes. like he wants the attention yes. he wants it so he values attention he wants he people values to like that him. 
But he doesn't value, yeah, like, if they don't like him, he just drops it like it's hot, and you're basically a non-person to him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very, which is super immature. Like, a fully reasonable state for a four-year-old to be in. Like, it is perfectly reasonable that a four-year-old thinks that someone who doesn't like him is evil. Especially if that person's an adult. They're four. They're four. They're to be taught. Not a 17-year-old with a weapon inside him. Um, but now we're at Mr. Ears, uh, Mr. Ears Poetry Night. We're on the bridge, and they're scrambling. They're trying to figure out what to do. Um, Uhura's panel just explodes. Spock's trying to tell them information. Can't help it. He's speaking poetry. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. As I wonder, weak and wary. It was so great. I just loved him quoting the, like, not nonsense, but just quoting poetry. Like, that's what this kid's attack is. Is like, oh, we can't get him to speak the message that they sent. So we have to make sure that he just says, like, these poems that somehow I know to tell him to say. Yep. And it's sort of like, huh, it's interesting that that those are the ones that were on the tapes. It is very interesting throughout, like, the very classical sort of nature of the media that is remembered from this era. Um, Yeah, it's one of those funny things that I always laugh about when it comes to, like, future fiction is what references they choose to have their future uh, culture remember. And it's always just, like, 18th, 17th, 16th century, like, white men that those people at the time really appreciated because they come from a culture that had, like, this, you know, Western civilization and art romanticization of everything. We're going to Colony 5. Get in, Yeah, exactly. And it just made me laugh where they... (laughs) To celebrate American Thanksgiving. (laughs) They barely barely mentioned, like, oh, you know, Genghis Khan. Or, you know, Attila. And then, like, you know, Jarwal Nielsen. And you're like, who's that? It's like, oh, he was a warlord and whatever. Like, it's just like, every once in a while they do it. But yeah, it just... What culture stays around in science fiction is always interesting to me. So we know of two of them. Rudyard Kipling and Edgar Allan Poe survived. And Shakespeare. I think he says one Shakespeare thing. Yes, that is this. true. Um, but Charlie, it's Charlie. It's all Charlie. He calls Spock Mr. Ears, which I was like, yes, did Mr. you learn that Mr. from the Ears? That is such a funny, like, dumb, because it just seems like he's trying to burn him, but it's like the, like, least Bernie burn you could do. Right? <laughs> um. We get another wonderful staring contest. Do you think he called him Mr. Ears because... At the beginning, um, he Charlie asks McCoy, he says, why does Kirk keep calling me Mr. Evans? Because his name is Charlie Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and McCoy's like, oh, because that's your name. He seems to have an understanding that a child who has been alone for 14 years might not understand the complexities of human naming conventions. Yeah. But he has no more wisdom. No more wisdom None- to provide. None from there. Nothing else. He's got no other things to say. So I wonder if, like, he's saying, like, yeah, Mr. Ears is your proper name. <laughs> I just think he was trying to give a childish insult. And the only thing you can do is point out his difference. Like, that's how yeah. you're different from me. And that's what a kid would do. It'd be like yeah. calling someone, you know, like, 
I don't even have, I don't even want to like physicalize a trait on it to, to do comparison. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very basic racism. It's something we do hear from McCoy all the time about Spock specifically. But it is a very like, I learned it from watching you. I learned it. <laughs> yes, yeah, very speciest. <laughs> so now we get, we get more of him being a hallway menace. Hallway menace too. And Ooh. in Janice's beautiful pink room, Charlie's walking through the hallway. He sees Yeoman Tina. She's all like, oh, hi, Charlie. Yeah. And it's Perfectly just nice, nice to him. Yeah. Perfectly nice. Like, almost as if she's going to say, oh, man, you seem like you're in a really intense mood. Like, are you okay? Um, but no, he turns her into a lizard. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, what a weird, terrible fate. Right? Just to get turned into a lizard by a petulant kid. Just, right? But he's on the move. He's going to Janice's room. He's got a pink flower for her. He's all like, I'm being nice. This is the nice thing to do so that Trying you will love me. to solve his mommy issues. Um, she's in this really great pink sheet. Just like a long pink sheet. Just pinned on her. Which I guess is like space pajamas. I don't know. <laughs> Like, sure, it's a really lovely shade of pink. It looks like a nice silky material. Uh, it's just a... Comfortable for sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank God Janice is able to get her ass to a button that pages into the bridge so that Spock and Kirk know that Charlie is there. And Charlie's being a weirdo. She's like, hey... You do not walk into someone's room without knocking. Mm -hmm. I will lock my door whenever it damn well pleases me because I am a person. And apparently I have to be mean to you now because Kirk didn't do his fucking job. Kirk wasn't mean to him enough. So now I have to be and that sucks. And I feel like that is such a woman thing where it's like I went to my boss about this coworker who was harassing me. Yeah. And the boss literally did nothing. So now I have to be in a dangerous situation telling them to back the fuck off. Yep. I'm the one that has to confront them. And now you are going to put it on me if he retaliates. Yep. So she... Slaps him in the face after Kirk and and Spock get there and there's a struggle to get him off of her. And he gets hella pissed. He rolls his eyes in the back of his head and bam, Janice is gone. Disappeared. Again, and and here's the point too where I wonder if people, because this is the second episode, if they would start worrying. Like, oh, Janice might just be gone gone because we don't know if she's going to be a serious regular or not. We don't know if anyone's, like, really dead. Um, So uh, he's like, look, Charlie is like, look, the only reason I don't disappear you, Kirk, is because I need your help running the ship because, like, the ship's really big and it's hard to manage. And I am a child. And so that's why I'm telling you my strategy instead of keeping it from you. Any tapes about how to do it any tapes about it that's the only reason i can't okay so if (laughs) we get a great as he walks out the door um growing up isn't so much i'm not a man and i can do anything and you can't yeah it was so 
petulant, just absolutely. But like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like telling a kid to grow up, like just grow up, doesn't fucking work. Yep. Like it just, it's it, 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 that was the part that did make me laugh because it was just sort of like, oh, grow up, and the kid's like, no, no, no. Uh, I literally have no concept of childhood or adulthood, so no. The computer uh. never told me no. <laughs> Charlie is a hallway menace. Third time he's a hallway menace. Um, Third time's a charm? No. Nope. Nope. Kirk and Spock try to trick him into a brig with like a force field wall. Um, yep, which he instantly, just instantly removes. He disappears which, the wall. I, I don't know why they wouldn't think that would happen. Right? They're like, um... Charlie runs into a random lady in pants. This is the only other time we are going to see a, a woman in pants. Uh, or a, a Star Trek um, a ship member oh, in yes. pants. Um, he runs into her and just makes her look really old. Yeah. Just like oldifies her for no reason. He sees some other people just laughing like at not him. Like they don't even see him. And he takes their faces. Yeah, I was going to say that someone comes out from the room and they just have like their face like in a big paper mache head that has no features on it. And I'm like, what is this kid doing? He read too many DC superhero comics. Like, calm down, dude. Yeah, like, how did so how'd you learn horror? that one? Right? Um... Also, how did he know what an old person looked like? Yeah. Right? Did he get that from her mind? Oh, shit. Her biggest fear is turning yeah. old. And the one uh, their maybe their biggest fear was turning faceless to be a face in the crowd. Oh. It's interesting that he is able to read people's minds to a certain degree, but clearly is unable to read their minds in a way that would give him emotional intelligence. Yeah, it's like he can only read objects and information like or like or it's like yeah. if he could read their thoughts but if it was a sentence and he had to try and interpret the emotion behind it like that's the thing is that he can't mm -hmm. read their emotions yeah. and maybe that's because he could if he knew what they were better but yeah. because he's never had the full gamut of emotions because he's just been by himself forever he doesn't know how to relate that yeah yeah it is interesting because he seems to just pull perhaps that as her greatest fear and what Janice's favorite perfume was uh, from her head. So it's God, like that was so weird. It's like a search. Perhaps he said, like, what's a gift you would like to receive? And that is Possibly. that is what he found. But it does seem very informational rather than I want to be liked. So why don't I figure out how to be liked mm -hmm. via the easiest way to do that that literally no other human has being 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 nice maybe no no cannot what how but how how could i know i can only read their minds or ask them yeah um well we're back up on the bridge it's it's time for bye bye charlie charlie has reset the course to colony five he's ready to go live his fucking life with real people and everyone knows that can't happen for sure oh yeah He's, like, he wants to turn that whole planet into a cornfield yeah straight up straight up um but kirk 
gets this really great idea. Perhaps if we just turn on the microwave at the same time as the oven, it will <laughs> overload Charlie's it circuitry. Was, it was so funny that they were just like, if you could tell, like science had discovered what microwaves were, and they were just sort of like, maybe yeah, that like, will interfere uh, with it. Like, just like turn on and off wave. all the lights. Like open and close all the doors. <laughs> like, turn just on all the holodecks. Like they don't have sensory holodecks, overload. <laughs> Just do everything, and then maybe we can trank him. We get the best staring contest. Everyone has eyes of God. We got the bar right across the eyes. Oh, yes. Kirk's like, I want my ship back, and I'll get my fucking ship. I'm going to break your goddamn neck, you little cunt, like straight up. Uh, The most amazing eye acting, like God-tier eye acting on this. It made me happy. They are so mad. Charlie's like, no, like, I can totally, uh, mm, I mean, because he's distracted. All the doors are opening and closing. Yeah. Uh, he really, he doesn't know what's, he can't read enough minds to figure out what's happening. We, they fight and we end in this really classic bully pose where Kirk has him pulled up by the front of his shirt with his yes, like arm scuff. back, like he's about to fucking punch his fucking lights out. Um, what's cute is that it looks like the shirt that is Kirk's shirt. So it's almost like he's wearing like oh, an yeah. old uniform that someone had. Aw, how cute. This poor child. This poor child. But we're in this pose when suddenly green lights show up yep. outside. And... A spooky old man face appears in green. And, and I'm going, what is happening now? Yep. What possible twist could this be? Janice reappears in her cute pink dress. Yep. We got Janice back. And Charlie is now freaking the fuck out. He's like, no, no. Like, don't send me back with them. I can't live with them anymore. Like, please, I want to go home. Please, and they're like, take them? Me home. Who is them? What is this? What is? What are you talking about? It's the people from the planets. It's the Theseans. Mm, um, the Theseans. Like, and they're I'm... like, everyone's funny. They introduced the Theseans as if we were kind of like 100% supposed to know what they are. And it's like, they're just the people from that planet that we didn't know existed, but now do or did. But in any case... It seems like Spock is aware of them because they yeah. talk about the Theseian life cycle or something like that. Yeah, like he seems to know more about them despite the fact that their existence is up for debate. But now we know it is no longer up for debate. Um, the old man's like, I'm so sorry that our dog got out of the yard and killed your rabbit. <laughs> basically, uh, basically, he's just like, oh, we did not mean for this kid to get like, out. We we're are, so oh, sorry. God, again, um, like we just because we knew this would happen if he we did. We knew this would happen and it, it's on us. Please, we'll take care of him. Like, we're not going to hurt him or anything. Like, just please just let us have our puppy back, please. <laughs> We can reverse brain everything that's been brained away by him. You don't have to worry. We can clean up his mess. And Kirk just, Charlie is begging. He's like, please, I will be good. It's heartbreaking. It was hard. Yeah, that was the word I was going to use. Like, he really does not want to go back. And not in, like, a little kid, like, not wanting to go to bed sort of way. He's, like, truly terrified. 
Yeah. He's terrified. He is horrified. And he's screaming like, they don't love. I can't even touch them. And Kirk mm-hmm. makes this sort of half-hearted, like, uh, he the boy need does need to be with his own kind. And the spooky man's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, they're just straight up like, no, no, no. That would be a bad idea. Um, and it's really sad. <laughs> he goes, Charles, come home. Yeah, Charles. Charles uses him his full name, Charles. Uh and he goes, like, I want to stay, stay, stay. They've zapped him off the ship. Charlie's gone. Yep. Bye-bye. Everyone just kind of looks shaken. Yeah. And when the ship disappears, Janice breaks down into tears. Because she realizes that she does love him and wanted, wanted to be with him forever. No, or kidding. at least just, like, the, the, the horrifying tragedy of the situation. They yeah. all, I think, sort of thought, like, he... He doesn't, he's so terrified to be with them. And it's like being with a, a person who you know is going back to, like, a, a bad situation. I felt for Charlie, even when he was being a bit of a bitch, because... Yeah. You do know that he just is trying to learn about it. Like, it is the sympathy for the shithead yeah. friend you have, because you're like, ugh. They truly don't know better, and you wish that you could just reach into their skull and be like, know this better, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. Exactly. And it's like, one would hope that in a Star Trek utopia, there would be resources for a human who has not been raised with humans, but instead other beings. But that's clearly not sort of where we're at in the canon universe and in just the perception of, of the universe at that point. In this space future, they have the ability to travel warp speed, but they are only now discovering that ESP is a thing. It's That's like a thing on here where they just don't know how to handle it yet. Uh, and not to spoil too much, but in the next episode, we're going to deal with more ESP situations. So Charlie's just the beginning here. Just the beginning. Um, what a What a great power. Something that you don't really have to visualize. Oh, yeah, something that's easy easy to have a, a, a special effects department uh, get in and get it all finagled for you there. Just like, we did it! We did it! Um, and so let's, let's hear some fun facts. Let's do some fun facts with quotation marks around the fun. Quotation marks. So in the original script, um, Uhura was supposed to entertain the crew in the Recreation Room 6 scenes. By mimicking the other officers. Um, by, I guess, just like, which sounds a lot more like she's making fun of people, which kind of makes yeah. more sense why Charlie was like, oh my God, like I'm so embarrassed. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that is wild. But instead, uh, they decided for her to sing because she wanted to show off her singing voice. She had an incredible voice. Um, and it's what she's saying is a spoof on an 18th century Scottish song, Charlie, My Darling. Interesting. I'm going to have to look up Charlie, My Darling. And again, just more. I'm going to keep saying that it's going to be a recurring thing. Just the, the references these writers pull for these like future people to have are always just incredible. Right. Um, there, of course, 
some differences between this episode and future episodes in the conception of the ship. Uh, for example, they talk about going through the ship's stores for food, mm-hmm. um, as well as having a chef. Never yeah. mentioned again. They got replicators, or not quite replicators, but they have machines that that generate uh, the food. They managed to they managed to get the technology upgraded when they were in Space Bay one day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is the first and only appearance of the ship's gymnasium. Oh, there's, oh, I'm not gonna get any more karate scenes? Oh, man. Well, there will be more karate scenes, but they will, they will not be. <laughs> but not in a gymnasium. In a gymnasium. <laughs> um, in the original outline, the titles that Gene Roddenberry had for this were The Day Charlie Became God, or Charlie is God. Um... Very direct route. We're number gonna go with number one right there. Yep. Uh, and then, but the network censors were like, "Excuse us, no." Uh, <laughs> you cannot call a character a god. Like, Not on this god-fearing network. We're barely allowing a black person on TV. Like, are you fucking I'm kidding right. me? Uh, you cannot. Um, William Shatner had his chest shaved for this episode. Which is oh, something we nice. will uh, tap back into in the next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And then never again, because he engaged a chest shaver. Uh, I don't know if he engaged a specific person to be his <laughs> chest shaver. Charlie, Charlie, my chest shaver. Come over here. You're done with, you're done with the show? Come on. I got another job a gig for you right away. Um, but yeah. Yeah, he he has his chest shaved for the rest of the series, uh, except for the next episode. In space, no one can hear you shave. Nope. Uh, this was the first script for the series by DC Fontana, uh, Dorothy Fontana, who would go on to become the story editor for the series, which was a super big deal because ladies didn't get to do things. At that time. Yeah, it was a, a name that I recognized from from Star Trek lore even beforehand uh, because of that position, which is, again, as as regressive as some of the stuff is, we do always have to point out some of the progressive stuff that does and did happen in here. Exactly. And um, I think that she was um, a writing assistant or one of like Gene Roddenberry's assistants, and it was mm-hmm. uh, Justman, uh, one of the other producers, who suggested giving it to her to to write and Roddenberry was like I want people to think I'm a good person too yes let the young woman write I'll not hit on her because people are watching but when she has the script I still want her to parade in front of me with the script (laughs) pretty much um we have again uh all of this wonderful color in the background of mm-hmm. of the walls on this series. And that was um, done because NBC wanted to push color televisions. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Of course it did. Yeah. I, I I did think to myself when we were watching this early episode, like, gosh, this has to be toward the advent of color TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, NBC was owned by RCA at the time, which was the major major manufacturer of color televisions. Ooh. I forgot that they were owned by RCA. Gosh, even back then the industry was so consolidated. Right. They were just trying to push everything together. 
Um, but what they didn't push together were, of course, the tights industry. Shatner only <laughs> wears those wonderful tights once more um, in Errand of Mercy, which is a later episode. Um, I, I, I love that there is an official tight count yep. for the captain. That someone put that out there. And I will be waiting for those tights to appear again. Yes. Um, this episode uh, was supposed to be put later in the season. Because it's mostly teenage yeah. melodrama on the ship. Not that much fun stuff. Um, but because there wasn't that much fun stuff and it was all on the ship, it was finished second. And they didn't mm. have any other finished at that moment. Uh, so they're like, uh, um, uh, okay. Um, and that is why originally when it was shown, we don't see the Antares or anything else outside the ship in the later version on you know on paramount plus where i watched it and like most of the dvds and stuff they have some mm -hmm. insert shots of just a ship in space to i don't know Fair break nice. it up just to be like hey we we had it we, we had it ready just not in time um what is the the final thing again about dc fontana which i think is interesting according to her the, they, the filmed episode was basically the same as her screenplay. Uh, there were a oh, few line changes. Uh, the images of Char how Charlie affects people, you know, like no face, uh, the no face woman who couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. All of that was in there. Turning the lady into a lizard. That was all in there. That's some really imaginative screenwriting. No right? wonder she got the position. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so hell yeah, we're going to definitely see more D from DC Fontana in the future. We should have saw seen even, even more from DC Fontana, um, because it, it's just a really fun episode. And I really liked, uh, the sort of perspective that we get to see that we don't get to see too often in this series. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a very solid secondary episode. And again, it makes me excited to, to see more. So, yeah, great episode. On our list of episodes, where would you rank this episode? We've seen two episodes oh, so far. Okay. Where are you Here putting this one? Above or below Salt Lady? Goes underneath <gasps> the first episode. Okay. Because you can't have a like a, a man hungry shapeshifter is just a little bit more appealing, especially one that needs salt, and that's the motive, like the murder motive is salt. <laughs> that's a pretty great one. And like, not no offense to Charlie, but you know, again, ESP's the hook, and we're gonna see ESP becomes a theme, you know? So it, yeah, Charlie, I love you, man, but but not enough. I'm gonna have to send you on uh, off the ship to number two. <laughs> We're going to send you home uh, with your strange alien parents who call you Charles. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to have to go where boldly where no man has gone before. And I don't mean to take that from the intro. I'm talking about our next episode. It's going to be where no man has gone before. The That's third right. episode of this series. The third episode of the series and the second pilot shot. Oh, interesting. Well, we're gonna have a lot to talk about that aspect then because I wondered, I wondered with the name, if it was meant to be 
an early episode, and it's production code number two, so I think we know now why. We're going to get to that on the next episode. Emily! Missy! Thank you so much for guiding me through this and all the information we have covered. I cannot wait to get to our next episode. Make sure you watch along with us. Watch these episodes down Paramount Plus, there's other places, you know, try and get it on there because there is so, so much that needs to be seen. Oh my, it needs to be seen. Yes. Yay, thank you so much. Join us next week on Red Shards. Live long and prosper.